welcome to our weekly podcast of Womankind Collective with me, Lou Hawkins-Thompson and me, Jinty Sheeran. Come and join us as we embark on a fun and educational journey talking to experts and advocates on subjects that are often taboo. So go and get the kettle on, settle in for a chat, grab a biscuit and hopefully you'll have a lot of laughter along the way. Not with your biscuit. Be everywhere, Lou. It would, wouldn't it? Our guest this week is the wonderful journalist and weather presenter, Emily Wood. We first met Emily at the BBC Radio Devon's Menopause Cafe. We ask Emily what life is like as a working mum in media. And as Emily enters her 40s, she said she sometimes feels as though you are staring down the barrel of 10 years of life impacting change because of the menopause. I feel like I should put some echo on that. So she um, so she puts her journalism skills into practice and asks us all things menopause from HRT to chin hairs. <laughs> In the book collective, we discuss chapter seven of our book club book. 12 Moons by Caro Giles. Our foodie collective theme for this series is soups. And find out if we have one. We don't. We don't. Sorry about that. Busy. Um, WI, last week's weekly invitation was uh, a silly but fun turnaround <laughs> challenge of balance and coordination. Find out how we got on crumbs. And finally, Lou will have a quote of the week for you. Lou, we've had some lovely comments, haven't oh, we? Oh, we so have from lovely Dipti. She said, I'm a bit behind on listening to the podcast. And the last one I listened to mentioned the graveyard and thought, oh, I know this place, the crossed, Crossbone Graveyard in uh, London Bridge. I went there a few years ago by accident with my friend. I didn't... By accident. I know. Like you do go dip to, to a graveyard <laughs> by accident. I didn't know about it, but my friend I met, uh, I met showed me around. It was a really interesting place. It's off the main road, so you wouldn't find it unless you knew about it. The graveyard is quite eerie, but it's colourful. There are artefacts attached to railings and ribbons. It's not your usual graveyard for sure. I mean, what, ideal for Halloween, if you like oh, Halloween. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dipti also wrote, love your podcasts. Think you're both so funny. Um, yeah, I always have a giggle and, and the topics, I love the topics that are discussed. Well, most things resonate to my experience experiences in life and menopause thank you dipti ah, and conversations with the gods the lovely jenny she enjoyed last week's episode telling us this sounds like a fascinating episode i can't wait a few weeks ago she committed to no alcohol for 100 days after seeing a meme a meme 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 this is the year of putting the needs of my body over the desires of the mind with the aim to build for a healthier future beyond menopause and I've learned this year how much alcohol affects me nowadays, in particular sleep. Oh, say that again. When I drink, I get hot flushes in the night and don't sleep. When I don't drink, I can sleep all night through. Since sleep is so vital for everything else, being sober has to win out. Yeah, it's a choice, isn't it? I suppose if you yeah. know it's going to do that, you've got to make that make that choice. Um, and Jenny went on to say that she has a new routine of a Sunday morning. 
candlelit salt bath and a listen of the latest podcast episode. And she says, thank you for bringing mental stimulation and laughter to my weekend. Keep up the good work. Isn't that lovely? Nice. So we're, we're with Jenny in the bath. We were with an American lady in the bath. We once were. As well, We've been with we? a few people in the bath. Yeah. yeah. I don't like baths, no. but I'm happy to join you, Jenny. <laughs> And I am Jen Maynard, also loved last week's episode. So You're not. You're not. not. You're Louise Hawkins. I, I am. You're I not am, Jen I am Maynard. Jen Maynard. Um, and she loved last week's episode saying, what a journey. Such an expert in her field and a force to be reckoned with. Go Sally. That was yeah. our lovely Sally Jackson. Fantastic. Uh, Rachel, not your usual men- menopause, says brilliant episode and very interesting to hear Sally Jackson talk. We very nearly came to blows and I packed my suitcase more than once. But once we realized it was my hormones getting in the way, he stepped up and supported me, but always, but also gave me the space I needed. His language of love, inverted commas, because that's what Sally talked about, didn't yes. she? I love that, actually. We've yeah. all got different language, yeah. the way we speak, language it's of love. actions, isn't it? It is actions. I found that fascinating. So uh, Rachel says his language of love is to always have a cup of tea ready for me when I get home from work. And do, and he does all the cooking. How lovely. Well, I good old Grant. That. Good old Grant. Grant. Well but done. She, the, the bit of message that I didn't put on there was he can't work the whirly gig. Oh. Yeah. So, so he didn't put the washing up very no, well. No, so that, that is a, still a slight irritation. But Grant, you know, like we, I said to her, you can't have everything, Rachel. There is a certain way of hanging up washing, isn't there? She likes the pegs, the same pegs on each bit of clothing. Oh, I colour code. Yeah, do you? Yeah, if I can. I just have to find pegs that aren't broken in the peg bag. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hit and miss in my house. And our lovely change of space, Devon, she said, Sally is great. Have a listen for everyone, not just those contemplating a separation. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's really good it's to, to think about your relationship, even, even if you're absolutely, you know, spot on with it. Um, and the lovely cat menopause PT said such an important subject to cover. The struggle was so real in our marriage and an understanding of what was actually going on due to changing hormones and the impact is vital. I can't wait to listen and I'm so thankful that Mr. J stood by me through some very dark times and continues to be my rock. Communication like Sally spoke about, isn't it? It really is. And we've had a final one in from my cousin Tracy. She's obviously taking the place of... Oh, you were in trouble last week. Yeah, she's obviously taking the place of Neil, your bro. bro. Yes, she has. (laughs) They won in the same. Yeah, just another family (laughs) member. And And Tracy says she loved the podcast this week. It made me laugh on the home Halloween front. Thought your guest speaker was terrific too. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. How has your week been, lovely Lou? Oh, it's, well, other than going to Ikea on Saturday. Why Saturday did you go afternoon, on a Saturday? In Why? half term, it was horrific. Mental, you Mental. Are. It was. Mental. <laughs> mental. Was it full of Halloween, your favourite stuff? Oh, there was loads of fucking pumpkins oh everywhere. Oh, God. Um, but do you know, interesting, because at Darts Farm, you know, the farm that we yes. went past that, and um, they had a field. Oh, I know. It's huge. Full of pumpkins. Yeah. And on Saturday, it was still full of pumpkins. And I said to my husband, what's going to happen to them pumpkins? Yeah. Food waste. They won't be eaten, Lou, will Hopefully, they? Hopefully, they'll mm. be making a bit of soup for the mm. cafe. I went up the common this week. Did you find pumpkins? Yeah, I did. There was no. I did. Went up to the common, parked in the Bloody car park. Bloody things get everywhere. They, every, 
where somebody's obviously been up there with with some pumpkins and they're all squidged and wet and horrible in the car park oh. i thought oh oh so they didn't eat them they didn't eat them no they hadn't been eaten they were all squashed some manky old pumpkins in the car park <laughs> nice dogs will eat them up yeah so i mean the, the news is still all just so unbelievably unbel- difficult and intense so i found a few news stories that we might have missed or you might have missed probably have lou probably so there's have. only three so the number one story is get your biscuits out yeah <laughs> put your feet up <laughs> she's going in <laughs> is mysterious Roman forts were unearthed. So spy images have been, that have just been declassified, have revealed 396 uh, Roman forts in Syria and Iraq. And uh, specialists believe they belong to the Roman Empire. Now this is interesting and why? Why? Why, why? why is it interesting? Why? Because... On the edge are, of my seat. Yes, I know, I thought you were. The, these are structures are actually proof of a road that the Romans may have been moving people and goods across the Syria, across the Syrian, the Syrian steep, rather than trying to guard against them. So they thought they were guarding them, but they've actually they were actually in Syria mm-hmm. and um, Iraq. So that was quite interesting. So yeah, lo- they had lots of Roman ruins actually, actually you know, destroyed, haven't yeah. they? Unfortunately, oh, during yeah. the war, bombed. But what did the Romans ever do for us, Lou? <sighs> Now, the other thing that you might have missed, you ready? Yes. Your loins yes. girded? Yes, they are. Dinosaur footprints have been found on the Isle of Wight. Oh, my good Lord. I know. <gasps> Is anyone I, in the Isle of Wight? Have you seen a dinosaur I know, it's lately? very Jurassic Park. So a press release from the government's Environment Agency revealed earlier this week that dinosaur footprints have been discovered on a beach on the Isle of Wight said to be 125 million years old. That's one, two, five million. Did nobody see it? No, well, experts believe they could come from, um, oh, here we go, um, a Manantalus, Manantalosaurus. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I do think he saw us. And it is actually a cafe and a car park and a bus stop. What, the footprint? Over the top of it. Oh. So, and the Manantalosaurus, I thought you might like this, was actually a herbivore. I thought oh, you'd like that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. as a I vegan. Never heard before. Yeah. Um, it's a layer of history we've only just brought to life um in the Flintstones or movies like Jurassic Park. Of course, we already knew that the Isle of Wight was a real tourist hotspot for dinosaurs back in the day, with 35 types of do- dinosaurs found on the island. Wow. I know, it's a busy place, isn't it? It is a busy place, all them dinosaurs, dinosaurs wandering around. But it's not very big, so I don't know how they all got fitted I on there. I don't know all they fitted on there, especially under a cafe. Exactly. And um, also, I've the moon is actually... Is there dinosaurs on there, Lou? <laughs> it might be, but it's millions of years older than we thought. Okay, so this isn't Earth, but it's a little bit of how the moon may have come from the Earth. This week, scientists found everyone's favourite lunar satellite might be 40 million years older than previously assumed. Uh, I mean, truly old, isn't it? I mean, she's truly ageless queen of the night. Oh, my gosh. Researchers have re-examined crystals collected from the moon's surface between Apollo, between the Apollo astronauts on missions between 1969 and 1972. And one bit of this lunar dust contained zircon crystals, which formed billions of years ago and therefore may indicate when the moon was formed um, through radiometric dating 
of the crystals and they're getting together the scientists found the samples were at least 4.46 billion years old i know so that was my week so i thought a little bit of happy news that we probably have missed this week oh yeah definitely missed that and of course we had a little partial eclipse on the full moon didn't we we which is quite exciting we're all into that now yeah we we? are oh we're all into moon bathing it's something to do with taurus as well which is our sign but i I didn't really moon bathing and energizing ourselves yeah sticking your crystals out yes getting your bits (laughs) getting your getting your bits energized yeah how was your week jim oh well I found some things out, Lou, Ooh, as well. Different research than you. I like came things. across some new research this week that has found, I thought some might be of interest to some of our listeners because it's found some genetic links between endometriosis and gastrointestinal order, disorders, oh. um, which may explain why symptoms overlap and sometimes lead to a delay in diagnosis and treatment. Sometimes try always time Um, a study from the university of queensland institute for molecular bioscience published in the journal cell reports medicine found endometriosis and irritable bowel syndrome peptic ulcer disease gastroesophageal reflux disease or gourd and i just had to say gourd again because i've missed that word um and inflammatory bowel disease share genetic factors. The research then then analyzed the genetic data and found the causal relationship between gastrointestinal disorders and endometriosis went both ways. So the study found women with endometriosis are twice as likely to have IBS, an IBS diagnosis compared to women without the disease, and 1.4 times more likely to have a diagnosis of gourd gastroesophageal reflux disease do you know that's really interesting because my sister has um endometriosis although so much better now after her children but she has crohn's disease isn't that interesting fascinating isn't that it? when you were talking yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's wow. all connected. Thankfully, they're starting to do research. Oh, at last. And, and of course, lovely Anna and Gabs that we spoke yes. to um, a little way back. Both of those um, had um, gastric problems as well as um, endometriosis, didn't they? Um, the chair of the Peak Body for Gynecologist Expert Endometriosis Working Group, Professor Jason Abbott, said, for many diagnosed with endometriosis, they will often describe being bounced between gynecologists and gastric gastroenterologists mm. with this new information we know we now know that genetically both are likely to co-occur both need addressing and both have have substantive impact on people's lives wouldn't it be lovely if you could you know yeah. not have to be bounced between them and get somebody that could and rather the on average both. eight years to be diagnosed yeah. yeah that could cut that time down oh yeah Oh, well, that is good news. It's, it's, a, it's start. a good. We've had some good news. Weeks. We have. We have. And we had our lovely, honestly, it was such a lovely menopause cafe the best this one. week. Yeah, I felt, Jim, when I got home, I was still buzzing. I was. I, I had trouble sleeping. I was just so excited I know. still. I, it was full. I tell you what, I was so pleased we're running this campaign for a menopause clinic because for the first time we've had a cafe, there was barely a question I could answer. There were so many people in that room that need specialist help. 
you know, we can help. Uh, we don't advise. Obviously, we're not medical people. We can signpost, and that's what we do, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they've, but they've got a good basic understanding exactly, now, haven't they? Exactly. I and mean, of course, we have the lovely Diane's understanding menopause um, booklets, which they all take away with them. Um, but I didn't know where to signpost some of them because some of the questions I think, gosh, you need a specialist. And um, one lady um, I spoke to had um, PCOS. So I just thought when I got home, I thought I'm going to look. I, I do know my, my daughter's friend has PCOS and it is can be quite debilitating. It can affect your, your fertility and, mm-hmm. and lots of things. So and she was this lady at the cafe was really struggling to get the support because the doctor was the GP was supporting of her PCOS and for menopause, but not not together, together. He didn't know what to do. And she had other issues as well. So around one in 10, Lou, women are thought to have PCOS, which makes it the most common female hormone condition in the UK. Wow. Yeah. Um, on average, people with PCOS, this is polycystic ovary syndrome, if, mm-hmm. if people are wondering what that is, um, tend to reach the menopause on average of an average of two years later than those who are not affected. That's mega important. Yes. Most people with P- PCOS can safely take HRT, as well as managing symptoms of the perimenopause and menopause. HRT can also help reduce your risk of type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease, which is partially, particularly, sorry, beneficial for PCOS um, as it a PCOS increases your risk of these conditions, which I didn't know. Um, and finally, some studies show that people with PCOS are likely less likely, sorry, to experience hot flushes and sweating during the perimenopause and menopause. However, they are more likely to report problems of vaginal dryness. Now, it's so important that that information is yeah. out there for those one in 10 women, yeah. isn't it? And do they do they get that information? Well, I can, I, you know, I struggle to find it. I found yeah. all that actually, if anyone does want to know on the balance menopause app, you ha- do have a huge amount, yeah, a huge volume, practically anything you want to find out on there. Um, yeah. Good info. Good, good info. Good intel. Yes, exactly. And I haven't been feeling great this week. I've had a bit of bloatedness. I've never suffered with that before. No, I have. It's not nice. It's is horrible. It? It's painful. I felt sick. Mm. I've lost my appetite. That's Don't know why we've got no foodie. That's why we've got no. And it came around here for the foodie. I know. I couldn't be asked, to be honest. Sorry, folks, but I thought if I no. don't want to eat it, I just fancy. She didn't want to watch eat... me eat it either. No, I didn't. And the <laughs> thought of cooking was making me feel a bit nauseous. So we'll we'll try Elle's. Was yeah. it Elle's butternut? Yeah, butternut. Oh. I think it was Elle's with a bit of spice in it, wasn't it? Oh, that's creamy maybe what parsnips. you need. Yeah. A bit oh. of spice. Yeah. Our guest today is the very wonderful Emily Wood. Emily has been presenting the weather on local BBC TV and radio for over 15 years. She's also been working as a journalist for BBC Radio Devon during the past couple of years, where she gets to share stories about the amazing people and places in Devon where she lives. The best people do, don't they? Yeah. She is also mum to nine-year-old Dorothy and six-year-old Angus and recently got remarried. 
Emily would love to have an exciting hobbies, but she says the reality of being a working mum means that this is highly unlikely for another 10 to 15 years. However, she loves talking about clouds and makes time to escape for a stomp across Dartmoor with her husband whenever she can. Well, we met Emily at BBC Radio Devon's Menopause Cafe, where, of course, we talked about menopause. Now, if we want to be the generation to make menopause matter, it's crucial to get the right information to the generation that immediately follows us. Emily is 41 and proposed the idea of asking us a few questions um, that her and her friends have been talking about. So, of course, we agreed. Yes. Welcome, Emily. Hello, Good to Emily. see you again. Thank you very much. So lovely to see you. It's always just, yeah, it's just lovely to see your smiling faces and to talk to you. And yeah, it's just oh, it's so fun to be you. with you guys. We feel exactly the same, Emily. Before we go on to answer any of your questions, we've we have got a couple to get a word you. in edgeways, haven't we? We've I know we have. First. Yeah, we always have, haven't we? Sorry about that. Um, did you? always want to be a journalist um or present the weather is it something you always had an ambition to do um the short answer is no <laughs> I sort of fell into it I studied history at university where I did student radio so my friend Pete had a student radio show and he said to me you laugh at my jokes come and laugh at me on air and I was like okay <laughs> and went into a radio studio with him and I absolutely loved it and then I did my own radio show on Fused FM in Manchester many, many years ago. And then my friend Pete said, I'm going to go and get a job in, in radio. And I was like, well, that sounds good because you're finishing uni and you've got to <laughs> say then what you want to do with the rest of your life. Yeah. So I said, yeah, I'm going to say that as well. And by this point, my parents had moved to Devon. Uh, I got a phone call and I was finishing my degree and they said, we're moving to Tavistock. And I said, where's that? And they said, in Devon. <laughs> So I said, OK, well, I've, you know, I had no money and I was like, well, I'll move home for a bit. And then obviously I'll have to go back to Manchester or go to London to work in the media. Um, but what happened was I was kind of stuck here for a while. I went traveling, came back and then I got experience at hospital radio at Derriford, where I found out about volunteering opportunities at BBC Radio Devon. Mm -hmm. So I started volunteering um, at Radio Devon and then I did the travel bulletins. Uh, and other various shifts and they advertised for extra weather presenters um yeah 15 or so years ago to present breakfast and weekend tv and radio and um I saw someone at work who said are you going to go for this weather job and I was, I was like well I know nothing about tv or the weather and he went I think they're quite desperate so I was like, <laughs> okay I'll give it a go always up for like trying anything and I got to the interview at London um, at TV centre in London actual BBC weather centre I was like this is just a great day out I had yeah. a go presenting the weather and I think because I was so relaxed it came across as like really calm and like in control <laughs> and I was like I just saw it as a day out and I got the weather job and that was 15 years ago wow fantastic so, yeah here we are brilliant here are those 15 years later so we've got a big question now Okay. So about how you how do you find being a mum and working in the media? Is there a lot of pressure to perform well in both areas? It's not easy. Um, it's it was particularly challenging when the children were little and I was on early shifts. So we worked 10 hour early shifts on the weather from quarter past four in the morning to quarter past nice. two in the afternoon. Wow. Um, there was one night where I had actually no sleep when my daughter was little um I was working part-time then so you had a, a bit of respite um on your days off but of course not really because you've got you know babies and then toddlers and a toddler and a baby yeah. um 
so it has it has been really hard but also work's been really important for me for my sense of self I had uh, 13 months off with both children uh, so I was around when they were very little um, and then I've had my parents around to help a lot with them as well but it's always been really important to me to have that other side of yeah. work as well as mum yeah. um, so I've it's been really important to maintain that and actually particularly now the children are older they see me at work and they see I'm on the telly or they sing BBC Radio Devon jingles at me <laughs> um and and I've I didn't sort of you don't really realize sometimes until after it's happening but that sense of that they see me not just as mum yes uh, is a really lovely element as well yeah. so although it's not been easy it's been really important I think to myself and to the kids that they see me as working and for my daughter as well to be like well you can be anything you know it's not easy being in the media but that don't let that stop you trying to do it if it's something that you want to do mm-hmm. um so yeah you are always torn there is always that mum guilt that you're not mm-hmm. always around to pick them up from school or my daughter's really into football now and every school football tournament she's like can you take me mom and I'm like no I still can't take you because I've got to go to work um but I'm I'm around when I can be and and they do just accept it. But it's it's not easy. Um, but it, it is really worthwhile. And and for for, for myself, it's been really important yeah. to get yeah. to step back away from just being mum, particularly when they're little, and it is really hard. Yeah, I, I think and bearing in mind what we're going to talk about in a, in a moment um, to, about menopause, uh, we hear so many people say that they've lost their sense of self they don't know who they are and I think sometimes that can comes with menopause sometimes anyway but it also comes with they have I know myself I've done it you lose yourself so much in your children that you do forget what's important to you and and who you used to be and what you what you used to do and so I think that sense of self and and lots of lots of people say and I know I when I used to go to work it was the easy part isn't it when you're working you can have a cup of tea when you want and when it's hot yeah yeah it is so much it is Isn't so it? much easier working you know yeah. what your day is going to be practically yeah you haven't got a clue you can achieve what's going to go at home yeah you're not just going around in circles like hiding at one corner of the lounge whilst they're like emptying boxes in the other and you're like I was just trying to like tidy one room and it's just not possible <laughs> no. whereas you can complete tasks and, and I do remember coming back to work from maternity leave and that feeling of it is a slight relief of just being in the car on your own Yes. You know, when you have those babies with you constantly, which is wonderful, but also can be mentally quite draining. And I am yeah. someone that's always valued my own yeah. space. Um, even though this creature you adore more than anything, you still want and should be able to have that time for yourself as well. And it's literally like sometimes just when you drive in the car to the supermarket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel um, very glad that I've had my job and my career that's that's continued and allowed me to to be mum still to the kids and that feeling when you come home is just lovely I'll go home tonight uh, my husband's picking them up and obviously they'll just they it's like they haven't seen me for weeks and And it's lovely to have that and good for them that they don't have you all the time you know they have to learn to be a bit a bit resilient as they grow up because you can't be with them always even though you want to protect them obviously Yeah, oh, that's not so, so many true. lessons, so many lessons for that for them in there as well, aren't, mm. aren't there? Yeah. And what about clouds? So now you love you have you love clouds. So can you tell us something? <laughs> um, we could you could probably talk about it all afternoon, but maybe limit it to um <laughs> a couple of really interesting things about clouds. Yeah. 
Um, well, I am a member of the Cloud Appreciation Society. Oh, wow. There's such a thing. Yes, we there know is that now. Yes, yeah, there is the Cloud Spotter's Guide. Um, so, well, you can tell the weather by looking at the clouds. Um, so a lot of uh, people's favorite clouds would be the high clouds, which are called cirrus. And you can tell they're the highest clouds because they're bright white. So they're mm -hmm. pure ice. They're so high up in the atmosphere. They're pure ice. Um, and they're the ones that you... Um, uh, you get the lovely kind of sunsets and sunrises in. They really catch the sunlight beautifully. But if you've got the high cloud around, they're so high up, it's going to stay dry. You're going to have a nice, mm. you know, dry day, bright, fine. Um, if you've got the big fluffy clouds, you know, the Simpsons clouds, we call them, they're cumulus. Um, and they can be fair weather clouds. So if they are wider than they are tall, it's not going to rain. If they're taller then they are wide, then they're going to build up and up and up and they become cumulonimbus, which is your shower cloud. So there will then be a chance of a shower later. That's what we've so got outside all... now, haven't we? Yeah. We've got a lot of them. Ooh. Yeah, a lot of them. I love yeah. that. That's almost like magic. Can I, I know. Ask, can I ask you about my favourite cloud? Yes, please. Mackerel? When you Mackerel skies. Yes. Mackerel skies. So, you know, that's is that meaning change? Um, it can be, yeah. So um, mackerel sky is often alto-cumulus. So alto is mid-level clouds and cumulus is fluffy. So it's kind of when they came up with the cloud classification system, which Luke Howard came up with in, I always forget around, it's around 1807. Um, it's when they were, it was Darwin and all that time and they were, they were naming animals in this sort of genera and species. So they named clouds in a similar way. So you get mid-level clouds, which is alto and cumulus. So it's mid-level fluffy. So mm -hmm. that's your mackerel sky. Uh, and you can tell if it's mid-level as opposed to cirrocumulus high level because they'll have grey shading on one side because it's mid-level. Yes. They'll, they'll get a bit of a shading from a the sun. shadow. Yeah. So there you go. A bit oh, of I'm knowledge to take with you. Now I'm done. <laughs> that's all gonna... anyone needs to know <laughs> about life. I was going to start making notes and I thought I'm recording this. I'll just, I'll just listen. <laughs> I'll just listen and then listen back. That's fascinating. Anytime. Or just tag me in photos. That's what people do, like on Instagram. They're like, what's this cloud? And oh, then you I don't reply. say that to me. All I, oh, my <laughs> no. God. No, but I'm always listeners. happy to see them. I'm always happy to see cloud photos. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Okay, listeners, then you've got it. Yeah, yeah, we'll give, we'll let you know um, uh, Emily's uh, Instagram at the end of this so <laughs> yeah, you can tag her into bombarded. all your clouds. <laughs> right, Emily, it's, it's your turn. Fire away. Okay, yeah. Well, I do feel like this is a real privilege. I can, you guys have so much knowledge, and I just, I'm really excited about tapping into that um, because it is something on your mind, I think, as you turn 40 as a woman. And like, well, okay, I'm in my 40s now, I'm 41, I'm 42 uh, next April. Um, and it may be a bit basic, but I'd really love to ask, like, what actually is the menopause? It's presumed that we know this because we're a woman. So you, if you're a woman, then you know what it is. But like, what actually is it? So first of all, at 40 or just 41, I love the fact that you're thinking about it. Mm. Because Lou and I at 41 didn't have a clue. Menopause was so far out of our um, thoughts um, yet Lou was probably well in perimenopause at that stage. Um, so first of all, that is brilliant. And that is how things are changing. I think you, it's on your radar now, which, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, menopause is physiologically, it's when our ovaries, uh, start to stop working. We only, as you know, probably know, we've only got a certain amount of eggs that we're born with. Um, and basically they sort of, you know, come to an end <laughs> and that's where the perimenopause 
starts. Um, so you have these fluctuations uh, where one day you will be very high in estrogen and very low in progesterone. Um, the next day you might be a bit more balanced. So the perimenopause is the beginning of menopause. Um, they used to call it the change. Mm. Now we know it as perimenopause. Um, menopause is only one day, Lou, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, she keeps telling me this. So your perimenopause can last, well, on a, oh, it can last up to 12 years. And the average wow. age for menopause is 51. So natural, that's natural. natural that's obviously mm. not surgical or POI or any, or, or any of that. So your menopause, actually, you're, you're all peri. And then you have 12 months without a period. So no menstruation, no bleeding, 12 months clear. One day you are menopausal. And then after that, as Ginger keeps reminding me, you are forever post-menopausal because I am well, post-menopausal, yes. Well, it just blows my mind when you put it in that context because it's just, it's talked about and you hear about it in, in these sort of much more vague terms. And when you just plot it out like that, it's just so much clearer yeah. as to what the process is and what happens but obviously with those fluctuating um the oestrogen and the progesterone and 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 the dropping testosterone as well because that's your third of the you know um hormone then you're going to have so many symptoms because you've got like Ginty said you have oestrogen receptors all over your body or in, in your um joints in your brain your eyes your mouth everywhere as a woman so when they start fluctuating it's going to affect the whole of your body so it's not just uterus ovaries any of that it's the whole of your body yeah no it does feel like you know you're staring down the barrel of this when you enter your 40s um is it that bad like are there any benefits because you, you I think sometimes I'm talking to my friends it's like oh god here we go you know as yeah. we're now in our 40s yeah I, I think that's the only thing that menopause awareness unfortunately has brought along with it is a lot of fear for some people because it's being talked about and obviously most people only talk about um, the difficulties and there are a, a fair few difficulties as Lou spoken about the symptoms um, but not all of us will get all those symptoms and not I mean some people will sail through uh, the change of you know the, that transition um, but it's not all bad at all. I mean, you know, Lou and I, Lou's post, I'm still Perry at 54. Um, I'm getting there. Can I just catch up? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm going to have a big party on my 12th yeah. month. Um, <laughs> and then bleed the day after. Yes, 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 exactly. So, yeah, so getting rid of that fear is really important because it's, it is nothing to fear. It's as long as we have the information, I think, you know, for people of your age, um, it's fantastic that all the information and the knowledge is there. And, you know, you need to know what the symptoms are um, so that you know whether it's uh, something that has to be further investigated. You go to your GP for for something like heart palpitations is, is one of the symptoms uh, that might need to be investigated, but it's also good to know it's also part of uh, perimenopause. Um, and so that might make you feel a bit more at ease, but there's some great, there's some fantastic benefits. Um, oh, yeah. Confidence, you know, and uh, giving less, um, well, it's our podcast. We can say it, can't we? Fucks. Giving less fucks. <laughs> Uh, I think it happens as there's a brain, there's a transition, it's a physical thing. As Lou said, our estrogen goes everywhere and to and it affects our brain. So uh, 
it slightly wired slightly differently. So all that caring that you've always done to every Tom, Dick and Harry that comes along, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. Mm. Give me more to care about. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Kind of, it doesn't just stop, but it wears it shi- off a bit. And it shifts as it well. Shifts. Because that care then you want to do for yourself. I mean, you you look at uh, Jin, me and Jinty. I mean, starting a podcast in our 50s, who would have thought it? So you do get some lovely life changing mm. once I think Perry can be a very dark place at times, but uh, when you've got the information and you've got the research, it can also be something, you know, to think, right. Okay. I know why I'm, my joints are aching. I know why I've got brain fog, you know, and if you ch- yeah. decide to go down the HRT route, there are things that can help or you go down the natural route. Um, so yeah, it's just getting to know and understanding your body. Yeah. Cause that's also one to ask, like, how do you know, your perimenopausal and not just you know a working mom and you've been through a divorce and a pandemic and you're asking for a friend um <laughs> how do you know you're not just dealing with life or is it your hormones affecting how you can cope it's probably just it's just very gently you know it can just very gently sort of start creeping up and moving along so it's that like um a little bit of anxiety sometimes and you think oh, I was never anxious about that or for Jinty, it was like she didn't like driving. You had a fear of driving, didn't you? Yeah. Did you have a well. fear of parking? Because yes. I've noticed if I don't, if I'm heading somewhere, and I'm like, I'm not sure what the parking situation is. Yeah. That really builds up my anxiety now. And I used, to, you know, I travelled like the east coast of Australia on my own yeah. in my twenties, and I'm like, oh, I've got to drive somewhere else in Devon. I don't know well, if I can park, park when I get no, there. Yeah. Yes, parking and fueling up. I started oh, really? to, yeah. If I was going on a longer journey, I had to sort of plan where the uh, where the petrol stations were and also I just didn't like doing it I didn't like getting out of the car for some odd reason um, but I think for anyone that's over 40 anything any sort of sort of more anxiety anything like that I think you have got to think in in terms of perimenopause um, and also ask yourself um, would this kind of thing have bothered me before although it might be something new I mean like you know divorce is always going to be um you know anxiety ridden and but there's certain things that you might get anxious about like your parking you think well that didn't bother me before so it's Mm -hmm. probably part of um you know perimenopause um blood tests if your GP gives you a blood test it won't really tell you anything. It'll just give you a snapshot of uh, where, where you, you are, are that day. As we said before, you might be very high in estrogen that day. They take a blood test, say, oh, no, you're fine. You're not in the perimenopause. Um, an hour later, it might be <laughs> you're on, on the, the floor. floor. <laughs> yeah. So it literally just gives you the snapshot. So that's why really uh, the NICE guidelines don't advocate for taking a blood test unless you're younger and you've gone into, you may have gone into early menopause. Um, so it's really by your symptoms and your doctor will go by your symptoms rather than any any blood test. OK, that's good to know, um, because yeah, I also wanted to ask about like HRT, because you hear about it and it's I'm like, well, is it is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it yeah. something you should think about? Or is it just something that your doctor will tell you if you can can do or not in the future? First of all, don't rely on your GPs. GP, no. so there are some brilliant GPs. Mm-hmm. We know several of them, um, but they may not give you the up-to-date information. They might if you ask to see a menopause with an interest, a GP, sorry, with an interest in menopause or a specialist. Um, but unless they are, you may not get the 
up-to-date information um it's a very individual thing isn't it new it, hrt it, it definitely is and it's, it's what you want to do and where you want to go what you've got to remember is you know you're losing your estrogen or you're fluctuating with your estrogen you know so it's actually are you going to start thinking about i've got a hormone deficiency and i need to deal with that or are you going to go down the natural route and that is it's totally totally personal i mean there was the study was totally flawed where the, the breast cancer scare one so it was the WHI, um, right. the Women's Health Institute, did a big survey way back in the 90s, and and it was leaked. Some of the um, some of the uh, results were leaked too early, um, and uh, basically everybody that was on HRT about 2001, 2002, which were many women, much more women that are on it now. By the way, I mean they talk about everyone being on HRT now. Back in 2000, much more women were on HRT than they are now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but they were all whipped off it straight away because of the breast cancer scare. Now, that study has been shown to be flawed. Not only has that study shown to be flawed um, in many ways, we have so much new HRT now. It's, it's changed a lot since the HRT that they used back then. Um, we've got transdermal HRT, which goes through the skin, so there's less of a stroke risk. Um, for those who have, have, have got a stroke risk in their family history. Um, there's much more choice. There's books about it. There's British Menopause Society, Women's Health Concern. There's a balance app. You can find out all you need to know about HRT. Like Lou said, you've got to find some balance and it's individual because some people do say it's a, a deficiency. I don't necessarily think it is a deficiency, but it's up to the individual whether they want to replace their hormones or not. And either way, you need a bit of both, Lou, don't you? You need um, lifestyle changes. I mean, in four to anyone listening in their 40s is a great time if you're living quite an unhealthy lifestyle is the best time to really get in tip-top condition ready for that transition. It's interesting you say that because... I started to feel like myself, like I've recently stopped drinking alcohol Yeah. for, yeah. you know, I'm going to, for, for, and well, I'm going to, I've stopped from now and I'm going to aim to stop from now until my 42nd birthday, just to give myself a good, you know, six month reset yeah. because it's about making life as easy as possible for myself. And something like drinking alcohol isn't helping. Yeah, it's making things more difficult. Yeah. I feel more down in the morning, even if just after a couple of glasses of wine, and it's like, God, that's just not worth it anymore. No. I want to be the best version I can be in my 40s. You know, I am working more and the, the kids are growing up and they're doing all their things. And so you, it just is it is happening already, even if it's just subconsciously, like you need to make life as easy as possible for yourself when your body is also dealing with everything else that you've got through, you know, uh, childbirth and bringing up babies, which is a huge strain on the resources of your body anyway. Yeah. And then you hit this point which can be more about you as the children are slightly less needy. Um, so I, I am already kind of discovering that I'm starting to, to feel that anyway. It's like, I just want to make life as easy as possible for myself and uh, to help myself in, you know, in any way that I can. Brilliant. Yeah. And that's like your body telling you as well. So, and some strength training as well, that look at your bones mm. and obviously, you know, say like, didn't say good nutrition as well. 
because the other thing I want to say about HRT is that without our estrogen, we do, like Lou said, we uh, lose a lot of bone strength, we lose muscle strength, um, and it does affect our heart and brain as well. And so whether or not we go down the HRT route, obviously HRT only replaces a certain amount of it, but if you don't want HRT, you can you can work on your strength so on your bones and your muscles you'll need to maybe change if you've always been a runner you might need to do a little bit more strength work rather than the stamina stuff um, it's just a case of changing tweaking a little bit it's not a huge change some people find that they can't eat what they used mm -hmm. to don't they? they have to change they can't eat red meat or they go on a more plant-based um, sort of mediterranean style diet um, but both those things are great, whether you choose HRT or not. And there is a good window for HRT. Um, and in the nice guidelines, they um, recommend HRT as a first line treatment for managing the symptoms. And for the majority of women um, who start HRT below the age of 60, the benefits of taking HRT outweigh the risks. The long term health benefits of HRT are best achieved if it is started below the age of 60 or within 10 years of your menopause that's the window okay that's interesting so, yeah or before that in yeah. perimenopause yeah that's good to know especially about the exercise and the running because I hate running so I can say well Lou and Ginty say but it's best run. not to run don't run <laughs> no don't run walk walk yeah. and do some strength and do some yeah, strength that and some jumping jumping's really good for our bones yeah, jumping we like jumping around so in good my house you're yeah, not so good for your bladder though <laughs> <laughs> no that's another thing you need to look at pelvic floor yeah. um so if you could go back and speak to your pre-perimenopausal self what would you say or advice would you give I would definitely say I would do what you're doing and research and look and join the dots earlier I didn't and I was anxiety ridden and um, sometimes struggling to get out of bed with my joints and just not wanting to get out of bed and crying so I had to get out of bed and that's um, all in hindsight and that's all in hindsight you didn't know for years no postmenopause so so having no all those symptoms my children at the time were teenagers two teenage girls which was great in our house all those hormones um <laughs> or lack of them and more of them and um so I think what you're doing actually is is great so researching asking questions finding finding your tribe finding people that you know you can get good information from as well and um not be scared of it as well mm. and just don't push yourself and just listen to your body because I certainly didn't so I think listening and yeah listening and resting when you yeah. can I know it's impossible with young children sometimes but yeah resting when you can get to know yourself and your cycles that's what I tell myself because I didn't have a clue about where my cycles were and what they were doing with um contraception you know that that's a marina coil affects marina coil yeah, I had that. yeah um so get to know your cycles and how they relate to your mood things like that and be prepared for when your ovaries start to slow down in perimenopause but don't don't fear it I'd I'd say that to myself without a doubt um we didn't have the information wasn't there really for us but it is it is now you know so go out and find it um uh, know the symptoms um 
and there are so many symptoms. So know all the symptoms um, so that you don't think you've got cancer or Alzheimer's or arthritis or heart disease or depression um, like we did <laughs> um, or, or just or just you might feel completely useless and have no joy. One of the biggest symptoms is just, oh, I've lost all my mojo. Joy, I've got joy no joy. Goes. I'm going yeah. on holiday and I don't even feel mm. anything. Know that that Numbness. is probably your hormones and it will come back. Um, and so you can, you know, just look into that. And I would also say to myself, go to the G GP as soon as your symptoms start to um, affect your life and talk about menopause to anyone and everyone. And, particularly um, talk about your vulva and your vagina symptoms because that is something none of none of us uh, well very we few now we do. talk we about it all now. the time now but before we didn't and that was such a big taboo it still is it's isn't a, it it's a huge problem for most people in menopause mm. but only about 20 percent of us see a gp there's mm. treatment and it's easy and it's simple and it's localized so it's localized um, HRT. So it will just stay in that area. It won't creep and go around anywhere else. So if you really want to go the natural route, but you've got vaginal atrophy uh, or problems with your vulva, then actually taking something with localized estrogen will just stay in that area and it will massively help. Um, there's just one last thing. Yeah. On conversation with my friends. What's with all the chin hairs? Christ. Since we turn 40, I mean, what's, they're just, this just <laughs> keeps springing out. See, Ginty doesn't suffer with chin hairs. I don't get chin hairs. I what? do. So lucky. I do. I mean, I had a dream. I was on the podcast. I was telling Jin uh, yesterday. I had a dream. Jin was in it actually, and um, I I'm think, in all her dreams. I think because I've been plucking before bed. You know, one thing yeah. I would say: take to have tw a pair of tweezers in every coat, every handbag, mm. every bag, and the car by every mirror. Go. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was having this dream, and um. I was like, oh, what's that? And Jin said, oh, so I pulled it. And you know, the spider, spider plants, they had the big long yeah. green leaves. It was like that, but it was ginger. <laughs> and she said, oh, I thought I, I had seen it, but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> so yeah, I'm actually dreaming chin hairs now, but it's, okay. um, but having a pair of tweezers is very useful because I got stuck on a tube, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. She was the other side of the barrier. We're in London. Oh, wow. And I carry tweezers everywhere. Ginger yeah. doesn't need to. I do my chin hairs and um, I put my card in where the notes go in on the underground machine oh, God. My ticket because I was in such a flap and yeah but my got my open my suitcase got my tweezers out pulled out my card tweezer woman saves the day hair. absolutely so I would say I don't know I, I take testosterone as well but I had chin hairs before testosterone I haven't got any worse I get one out of my mole that I have. Do to, you? Yeah. You're, how lucky are you? There. But saying that, I may have them, but I'm so fair. Yeah. And my eyes are going. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> so, well, actually, the combination. You, you could start putting. I've probably got a moustache <laughs> and never noticed it. Uh, but it's weird because exactly like you and your friends say, you might start, I, one of my first symptoms was hair loss. So you oh, might, right. it's really irritating when you start losing some hair or it stops growing very long and you start gaining hair in places you in don't places want it. In places you don't it. want it, uh, yes. It's frustrating. Always the way, yeah. It, but it is, it's all to do with our fluctuating hormones. Yeah. And if you can imagine you've got progesterone, testosterone, um, and estrogen, and progesterone is the first one to go. And that is our nice calming um, uh, 
um, hormone. hormone. Um, so if you find you get really irritated early on in perimenopause, that's because our progesterone is practically gone. Um, but it, it, you, you can imagine you get these fluctuations. So at one point, maybe it's your testosterone, testosterone that's higher. Maybe that's when the, you know, chin hairs start coming maybe out. Maybe I've always had high knows? testosterone then because I've always had bloody chin hairs. Yeah, maybe you have. <laughs> Well, yeah. thank you. I think I think that covers everything, <laughs> all the main points. <laughs> Brilliant, Emily. Thank you so much. And no, um, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. You know where you know where we are if you need yes. to know any more. And I'm gonna yes. send you a load of cloud pictures in a minute. Yes, yes please do. <laughs> so Emily, what Emily are you S, on it? Um at Emily S. Wood on Instagram. So any cloud photos, any cloud folks, photos. send Emily's way. Yeah you want to know what to help. Are. yeah that's brilliant Emily thank you so much um You're it's welcome. been great um talking to well, you thank you you know you're just a wealth of knowledge and I feel very honored and privileged that I've been able to tap into it so thank you very and much hopefully thank um you. not so worried about going into it now hopefully I'll no, a bit more information absolutely yeah yeah and on this massively. podcast for anyone listening we will put <clears throat> excuse me put a lot lots of um resources at the bottom where you can find lots more information from gynecologists, GPs and menopause specialists. If you want to, any of the things we've spoken about, if you want to know um, some more detail um, from the people who really know what they're talking about, um, then that will be on the bottom of our podcast show notes. Book Collective, Lou, we are on chapter seven claiming moon we are by lovely that carrie giles is a fabulous book yes how did you get on oh, I, I again I, I i mean it's the second time obviously we've revisited this book isn't it because we read it before we interviewed it yeah. and i loved this chapter i must admit it's one of my favorites because they have their holiday they have their camp camping trip she has a friend to visit don't yeah. she she has some quite fun times with with camping as well yeah um and it just felt like she was getting into a little bit more of a normal yeah rhythm as as everything was around her had changed yeah yeah it was like that she had a few reminders didn't she that she was sort of on her own on her own but um, she was but she, hoping. But yeah yeah and she she writes that it's a like a novelty to have an adult educa education an adult conversation when she has her friend come doesn't she in the second night I loved Lou because they were going to go for a meal weren't they yeah. her and her friend yeah um, and they ended up she said I didn't feel like a meal so we ended up walking and I love I love the way she describes the the walk and she describes the path beautifully with the kestrels and the sheep and the heather um, and they talk about their past loves and being a woman alone and they have um their own great recent i suppose for the other woman as well um sadness in common don't they yeah um and she writes i've got a little quote here about her own um vulnerability um she said this friend is both wise um, and open i have allowed myself to be vulnerable in her presence unwrapped some of my pain and she has done the same Funny how we can reveal so much of ourselves when we feel we have permission to do so. Sometimes my voice might come out as a whisper, but if you are willing to listen carefully, it can be heard. I loved that. I actually underlined that bit myself. It, it's, it's beautiful, yes, isn't it? And it I think is. when you're vulnerable with somebody that you know you can trust, yeah, it's it's shared, isn't it? It's yeah. just such shared experience. And, and they, they ate jelly babies and they drank icy water and it felt like a meal worth savouring. 
Yes. And it's the first time really that she showed her vulnerability sort of before that she's being vulnerable with us as the reader, but she's not really being vulnerable in the Very book. Guarded. Is she? Very guarded Very and guarded. almost angry at kind of, oh, I've got this, you know, understandably, she's got a lot going on, but yeah. it's almost like she's fighting everything all the time. And this with her friend, she just allowed herself to open up, which was rather lovely, I thought. And then, and then she, they, she takes the, the girls, just her and the girls. Yeah. They go to the Scottish Highlands, they don't do, they? They do. I mean, I thought she might have come down south. But yes, no, she, goes, she does come down south, doesn't but, she, yeah, sometimes? But she goes um, further up, further up to the Scottish Highlands for their camping, um, their camping trip. And actually, I did laugh out loud when the, um, when the wind whipped around oh. and took the tent. I mean, I would have been, if I was Caro, though, Hats off to you because I would have been cursing and swearing. I would have been back in the car finding the yeah. nearest B and B. I wouldn't have taken a tent anyway. No, I don't but do I, I camping, did laugh, and then but I loved how everyone came out. All these strangers yeah. suddenly came out and around and helped yep. her with with the tents and the tent pegs and yeah. got them all in, got them all settled. I mean, because my God, that just my God, I thought it must be so flipping windy up there. Oh my God, it must be. Yeah, I I love that bit as well, Lou. And she 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 I think it's the sort of chapter that she she talks about that with her friend, uh, the vulnerability. But and then she talks about this with the with the people coming to. It's like she's learning to trust again, isn't she? She's, she's allowing up. them to help her. Um, it's a little crack is starting to yes. appear in her, and a nice crack, isn't it? It's it is starting to show herself Letting, through. Caro come, is coming through more and more. Letting people in, isn't she? Yeah. Um, but she does also, even though they help her, she says she feels she has to apologise. I do this as yeah, well. But that's, I, I think I think that's that's not a Caro thing. That's a British thing. I think it is. You oh, feel I'm it. So oh, I'm sorry. putting you I'm out. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And and she's and and she's waiting for the and man. It was this man came over. She's waiting for him to lose his temper, isn't she? But she says he doesn't, and it's and it's all okay. And we learn that the mermaid is now using her legs. Yes. Um, and she tells her mum how proud she is of her for bringing them on the holiday, doesn't she? I know. How beautiful. I know, I so love that. Lovely. I also very much loved, because I didn't know this was a thing, a camping toaster. Well, I know. Now so you're going to get one, aren't you? Finish. So she gets a camping toaster. Yeah. And um, the, the girls are just, and I just loved it, because it was just the simplest things in life. And they were just... The enjoyment of breakfast. Yeah. You know, the app with the oohs and the ahs and the well dones, mummy. This is delicious. I know. Hot, Simple. Hot toast and butter. We don't need much, really, do no. we? We don't meet, need much. And she all, she has, um, we have another birthday in this chapter. So we it's do. Caro's birthday. And she invites a few friends, uh, uh, friends to the beach for a swim and a, and a glass of champagne. Um, and she's loving it. And she's, she writes, all around me, women are swimming and staring at the sun <laughs> and the sky is burning. Yet one comment from one of oh. her friends sends her oh, this spiraling. Got me angry. Yeah. Suddenly she feels um, as though she's she's not enough. And her friend sort of said something like, oh, I haven't got it here, but something like, oh, I saw your husband. He's the looking other well. Day. He's looking well. How, I can't believe how open he was. Um, and it was just ruined, wasn't it? Yeah. For Caro. It was. But she she did, I mean, it, the way she describes it, it was war, the water was warm, um, but fierce. Um, it's, yeah, I just her words, isn't it? As always, yeah, just so yeah. beautiful. And their friends hold me in their arms as we stand to leave, and the sky now a gentle rosy glow behind us, indigo clouds to the east. I could cry a thousand tears into the sand, drench it with my own inadequacy, 
but the warmth in my friend's eyes goes some way to stemming the flow and I hold them deep down inside me for another day. That's friendship, isn't it? It is. It is friendship. Um, and her, her birthday, she also had a, her actual birthday. She went to her mum and dad's, didn't she? And she had some lovely cards and presents from the kids. And it, it sounded um, sounded lovely, it didn't did. it? It did. It did. I think she had the birthday that she actually... Yeah. She actually wanted and yeah. deserved with yeah. friends and family. Yeah. And it feels like she's she's learning every month doesn't it now we're sort of reading it you know yeah. properly properly she's unraveling it? but but they're hard lessons to learn <laughs> yeah they're all emotional lessons that's oh. the thing and at the end of the claiming moon lou caro is ill isn't she and her husband has the, um at last signed the divorce papers that she's been asking him to do for a year um and she's also a bit scared about the three children not the mermaid but the other three are going away with their dad so she's in a very vulnerable place she's ill yeah the divorce is hitting her and she's alone with the mermaid and the other kids are with their dad so look forward to seeing what's happening next yes and that'll be in chapter eight the dispute moon sounds ominous doesn't it oh it does doesn't it WI. So the one that you set last week, what's last week? Turnaround one. The turnaround yeah. one. We've just done it before we recorded, haven't we? With, we're with sweating. With we were Annie. Sweating. With the lovely Annie. Our, yes. Our, um, because it involved three people, didn't it? It did. Glasses, not just the glasses on our face. Yeah. Um, wine glasses. I mean, there was farting. That was me. Guffawing. Sorry, that was me. Oh. I farted. And then I said, I said to Lou, well, before Lou got here, I said to Annie, you know, the, the one that will be most trouble is Lou because she's got no coordination. Who, who was it cocking Did up? Did you most have to eat your words? <laughs> it was me that was farting and cocking everything up. I do apologize. And ended up I did only fart the, once. And it ended up in the middle of the room. Yes. On your own. I don't know why I kept doing that. But I'm the only your... one without achy thighs. My thighs yeah, are fine. Yeah, but me and Annie, we, we can hardly walk now. <laughs> but it was funny. We had to rope your husband in. He did. Our, he was our videographer. He was. I'd just like to say, how many times does that bloody woman sing Turn Around? Turn around. We thought Shit. we were going to do it three times. I think it was about 56 in the end. It Turn felt around. around. felt like 56. <laughs> It was, it was very funny and we will put it on the, well, I say we, the royal we, Jints will put it on the socials because she's good because she needs, to, she'll need to edit some of it out. We won't have the farting on Yeah, there. you won't be, able to, you yeah. won't be able to have the whole thing because it won't, it lasts too long with all them oh, turnarounds. Literally, literally, I think you'll eat a whole, a whole pack of custard creams. <laughs> yeah, I think you could. <laughs> oh, but have a look at it and please have a go and, and send yeah, us, and if you, if tag us in. Out with some friends, I've got some friends round. Oh. or your, your daughters or even your sons have a go with them yeah it's a good workout it's a flipping good we workout we were sweating weren't we yeah Annie had to stretch her legs out at the end yeah. I could I could hardly get up your stairs no. <laughs> so, so well um give it a go thanks Els for that <laughs> <laughs> and Lou your turn for a quote this oh week. yes then let me let I've got it here so once again I just think the world is just shit at the moment too much it's too, too much. much so i have a quote from martin luther king darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that perfect 
So we hope your tea's not gone cold and that you'll join us next Sunday for The Collective. If you've enjoyed our podcast, you may consider buying us a coffee at ko-fi, ko-fi.com forward slash Womankind Collective. Here you can find updates, photos and some inclusive content we won't post anywhere else and, and your donation will help us ensure we continue to bring you great quality content and sound. We would love you to subscribe, favourite and review our podcast. Please do. It really helps us spread the word. And head over to our Instagram page, Womankind Collective, to leave comments or DM us with your thoughts or watch us and our guests on our Womankind Collective YouTube channel. And lastly, you will find all the links, any recipes, guest details and the hashtag Where's My Clinic campaign petition on the podcast show notes. Oh, what a lovely week. Thanks to Emily for yeah. coming and chatting to us. She's great, isn't she? Super week. Yeah. So should we go and tuck into those custard creams? Oh, actually, yeah. you won't be, but I will be. Yeah. About time they made vegan custard creams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not good for my belly at the moment. No. Anyway. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>